Welcome back everybody, this is Eric and Barry from Moss Pond and Gun, and uh, today we got another gun gripe episode for you. Today's a pretty good one, this one's kind of related to us a little bit, and uh, you know, we're going to be talking about how folks like to give us a hard time about blowing up guns and torture testing guns, and we're going to lay out some of the reasons we think it's important uh, to do that. So Barry, um, let's go okay. down the list here, what do we think? Well, we've got several subscribers saying, you know, we're blowing these guns up and it's a waste and all that. We do this to learn. Right. Uh, people should be grateful that Eric and I are willing to donate our own guns for this project. Now, you will no uh, notice later, you will not see any broom handle mousers, lugers, collective guns. All these guns are low-end guns. We're not, we're not blowing up collector pieces. Even the Mosin Nagant is not a collector piece. Well, we will um, be getting to some more valuable guns as time right. goes on. As so, time uh, goes by. We will. But we're not sacrificing anything that somebody would absolutely want in their collection. Yeah, I mean, right. obviously, obviously. Right. Um, so why do we do these experiments, Barry? We do them to learn. We take the risk so you don't have to. What have we proven by all this? Well, number one, guns are a lot stronger than people think they are. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of firearms are typically very overbuilt. And, um, you know, I think that tends to be a common misconception, especially about uh, Milserp rifles. A lot of people think, oh, okay, it's a 100-year-old rattly piece of crap. Mm. You know, they see the wood stock that's beat up a little bit. They see the action, you know, having some bluing loss. And see, in people's minds, one thing that they tend to misconceptionalize mm -hmm. is the cosmetic condition of a gun having to do with how good that gun right. is. And that tends to just be the mentality of a lot of people mm -hmm. as to how they deal with guns and when they grade what a gun is worth to them. Right. Uh, and I've seen it more times than not. I go to a gun show... And especially if I've ever taken a gun to like maybe sell to someone or whatever, a lot of people say, oh, well, it's just some beat up old Milsert with a crummy stock. Right. You know, oh, it can't be a good shooter. You know, those guns are obsolete, you know, and I, I hate hearing that. That really gripes me. And that's almost another um, gun gripe all on its own right. is how people complain about certain guns being obsolete. Right. But um, um, the fact of the matter is, you know, people go off of cosmetics too much. Anyway. Well, you can't, you can't judge a book by its cover, and you can't judge a gun by its finish. Right. You have to know the mechanics of the weapon. You look down. I've seen ratty guns that I say, oh, my God, and look down the bore, and it's pristine. Mm -hmm. The action is tight, pristine. But the gun has just been uh, used a lot or carried a lot or whatever. Maybe it was stored in a rack, and they slammed the guns around. Dings and scratches on guns don't mean anything. No, they don't. It doesn't mean a thing. Now, so, you know, like nicks on the crown, right? damage to the crown, yes, that can have an effect on accuracy. Um, a lot of times if there's pitting inside the bore, um, you know, that can have a lot to do with uh, be detrimental to accuracy. We are going to do a firearms fact video. Um, in an upcoming video, we're going to talk about how to grade a gun, how to, what to look for when you're buying a used mm -hmm. gun. All right. Mm -hmm. Anyway, also, let's see. So... All right, we already covered that guns are a lot stronger than people think they are. And what we learned, too, is guns we formerly had no respect for, we do now. Right, a good example is the High Point video. Right. Uh, one of our initial torture test videos, uh, me and Ray went out and tried to destroy High Point and torture test a High Point. We went into the video kind of uh, jokingly and thinking that, okay, yeah, this gun's going to be a pushover. It's a piece of crap gun. I went into it hating the gun, mm -hmm. and I went out of it actually having a little bit more respect for the little gun than I mm -hmm. had before. And I will speak for that high point, too. It was a used gun. We had no idea how many rounds had been fired in it. The trigger guard was broken. The gun was obviously abused. Right. But the gun, I tell you what, uh, <laughs> it taught me a lesson. 
You yeah, don't go by the price about something. And it getting did. back to a gun looking good on the uh, bad on the outside and good on the inside, you can get them reversed. You can find a gun that looks pristine and you look down the bore and somebody shot corrosive ammo and it and the bore shot out. Really, really good example of that. Slightly off subject. I'm going to cover it real quick though. The Hakim rifles, uh, semi-automatic, mm -hmm. uh, eight millimeter battle rifles, uh, Egyptian Hakims, uh, very good, high quality guns made on very, you know, good German machinery under German supervision. But you always see those guns they have like beautiful stocks, beautiful refinished metal. They look new. But if you look in the bores on them, some of them have really crusty bores and they have an adjustable gas system on that gun. Mm -hmm. And if it is not meticulously well kept, the gas system in them will rot out like nobody's business and they'll be completely unusable regardless of how the outside of the gun looks. So that's an example uh, that we will cover in the other video on things that certain gun designs, there's just certain things that you look for. Right. And, uh, you know, don't always judge a book by its cover. Uh, also, we learned that it took measures above and beyond anything anyone would do to blow these guns. Right. This, this, all these guns that are blown up was something that nobody would, could possibly do under normal circumstances. No factory load would no. replicate the pressures. No, no hand loader, ideally, no hand loader would accidentally do that. Right. Put range I mean, tracks in a gun. No. You would have to like purposely blow up these guns. And that's one thing we find that the guns are very overbuilt. They're very well engineered. They're very well made. And across the board, I think that's going to be the, you know, the biggest thing with guns is that they are overbuilt. They have a lot of safety margin kind of integrated into their design. Uh -huh. And then obviously one thing we learned too is that hand loading data is very conservative. Very conservative. You know, if you can take a whole case of 54R like we did and fill it up full of 4350 right. and then cram a bullet on top, I mean, that's like 20% over the maximum recommended charge. Right. Right. I mean, you're talking the kind of load that no one would, in their right. reasonable mind, do. Well, cartridges are loaded, and no matter what caliber, they're loaded to a certain pressure uh, point, and they, they, there's no need to push, there's no need to hot rod it past that. That's correct. When you hot rod something, you can hot rod the hell out of a gun, but for what purpose? Right. The gains in velocity are rarely going to be worth the gains in pressure. Now, right. I actually had an argument with a guy a little bit the other day. He came in. And we were talking a little bit about pressure versus velocity. And, you know, velocity, yes. As velocity increases, in theory, pressure increases. But you really can't use that alone mm -hmm. as an indicator. I mean, yes, as velocity increases, in theory, pressure increases. The only way you're going to know if that pressure is increasing mm -hmm. is you use a pressure test barrel. But, however, it gets to a point with the load density in a given cartridge that once you approach a certain velocity, pressures can spike very quickly to a level that is very dangerous. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think that using velocity alone is a very dangerous thing to determine, right. you know, how hot your hand loads really are. I mean, well, you should look at pressure signs. I'm sure Eric will agree if you've got a load for a 30 out 6 or 308 or whatever, and you get to that, you get to, you hot rod it to the maximum, it's not going to be as accurate either. No. You, sometimes when you load to the maximum and you you back it down a little, you find out your groups tighten up. And right. There's a there's a sweet spot that you meet somewhere, and that's mm -hmm. what you should load. Well, you know, most of the hand loads that I've worked up over the years that have shot really good are generally on the lower end of the mm -hmm. spectrum right. in terms of charge and uh, load density. 
I mean, when you start getting to a point where you're trying to cram like an extra half a grain into a charge before it practically sticks shut on the bolt, uh -huh. you're really kind of fighting a losing battle. I mean, you need a more powerful gun if that's the case. That's true. You know, you buy a Magnum, a 300 Winchester Magnum if a 30 alt 6 isn't doing it for you. You know, but anyway, getting back on subject, uh, across the board, hand loading data is very conservative. Um, these are a few that I, that I did, obviously. Um, you know, we do these tests to show, you know, we, we exceed the tests that manufacturers perform on their firearms. Right. All right, when you look at the uh, manufacturers and the tests that they perform on guns, they do things like salt spray. Like they might have their finish, they're going to test their finish, and they'll have like a certain amount of hours under salt spray. Uh -huh. And they'll test for corrosion, look for rust. Then other things they'll do is uh, much like, you know, even a furniture company or whatever, uh, gun manufacturers will also have tests where, like they might have a machine that holds a gun. All right, and all it does is it dry fires it, cycles the slide. Dry, fire. dry fires it, cycles the slide. That's it. This machine cycles this gun with the same amount of force, in the same manner every time it's a machine, mm -hmm. and then they look at wear patterns. They look at right. how, how often parts break. Those are the kind of tests manufacturers perform. I remember years ago when Ruger was at the SHOT Show in Las Vegas, they had a machine with a single six revolver in it. It cocked it and pulled the trigger, cocked it and pulled the trigger throughout the whole week. And the gun, after that, the gun was functioning perfectly. They test that for wear, mm -hmm. and the the, Manufacturers do that, like Eric says, they want to test to see how many cycles this gun can go. Mm -hmm. Even though they're not firing it, it's mechanically cycling it. Right. Uh, a lot of older guns... Well, and it's dry firing. Right. So, uh, you know. A lot of times, uh, some of the older pump guns, if you, if you hot rod them and pump them real hard, they'll break because they only have one action rod and they only got one lug holding the bolt in. Most of your modern pump guns now have twin action bars mm -hmm. and they're much, much stronger. So, yeah, uh, they test them for wear as well as, as uh, strength and everything else. That's right. So, you know, and then you have tests like the Glock test. Of course, everybody knows of like the Glock commercial where they freeze it in water and thaw it out and shoot it and they run it over with mud and, and all that, run it over with cars, whatever. I mean, yes, those tests are cool. And, you know, I know it's kind of a cliche thing to like do the mud test and all that. But it is a really neat thing to see, you know, just how well the gun will hold up to that right, type of stuff. Right. So some manufacturers go the extra mile and they want to prove how badass their gun is. And Glock uh -huh. is one of those uh, uh -huh. brands. I mean, they're not scared to get their guns dirty to show how strong they are. Well, I think uh, <clears throat> we've gone over the detailed tests that the firearms uh, makers do. Right. And... Um, uh, I think we need to explain some of the guns here and then we'll just wrap it up. Yeah, Barry, uh, let's okay. give them a short synopsis. What we'll do here is we're going to show you some of the guns that we've done torture tests on in the past and a brief description of what we did. Uh -huh. You'll see a little video box. If you click on the video box, it'll take you to the original video if you haven't had a chance to check it out yet. Right. Barry, what's this one? Well, this is the one we call Nine Lives. We read on the internet that this man had been firing 44 Magnums out of his 410 for years. I said, oh, no, no. There's no way. Well, I've been shooting guns forever, and there's no way. Uh, the bore of this gun is, is, is way under 400 thousandths, and uh, you, you're running a 44 caliber bullet through it. So what we did, we took it out, we fired a 45 Colt through it with no problem, we fired a 44 Magnum through it with no problem, we fired two 444 Marlin rifle cartridges out yep. of this gun, with no problem. And you're talking a rifle cartridge that operates in the 55,000 PSI range. Absolutely. And we fired five 
454 Kasul Magnums out of this gun with no harm to the gun whatsoever. Yep. What blew this up was range trash. Right. We uh, loaded the gun with a standard charge, but using uh, basically trash powder we swept up off the range. Very fast pistol powder, shotgun mm -hmm. powders all mixed together, and that's what did her in. But anything from the factory that we stuffed in this gun could not pop it. Anything we stuffed in, and you have to remember too, this is one of the cheapest shotguns made. If this was an H&R, the breech would be three times as thick. Right. This gun is stamped steel receiver. The receiver's not damaged, it just blew the top out. Mm -hmm. Didn't even warp the receiver. If you replace the barrel, this gun would still This shoot. gun would still be perfectly functional. Now, what about the little champion here? Well, you explain that one because you made a load that blew that up. Okay, well, what we did here, we were, this is when we were experimenting with waxers. And I actually, I think this video is not on YouTube anymore because I deemed it too dangerous to even leave up. I didn't want anybody knowing about it. But what we did is we took the base of the wad off of a standard target load and we cut the bottom of it off and we stuffed the wad all the way down on a standard charge and then we topped the whole thing off of wax. Uh, ended up being about two and a half ounces of wax as opposed to well, wax a little... and the shot. A wax yeah, and wax the shot. Load, right? uh, instead of a, about a one ounce charge, which would be acceptable on a target load, it ended up being about a two and a half ounce load. Right. And that heavy weight and that start pressure created by that fast powder popped it. What happened, the, the, the load couldn't get pushed out fast enough so it exploded. Right, the pressure has to go somewhere, okay? Right. Now, and what happens there, I mean, that pressure, if it can't build and push that plug of wax out of the barrel in time, it's gotta, it's give gotta go somewhere. I mean, that's just Newton's law. It's got to go somewhere. But this was a catastrophic <laughs> failure. Yes, it was. It, it not only blew the barrel, it ripped the frame. It did. It ripped the frame all the way down the side. And it was a severe pressure generated from that. And this is the shell head that yeah. was left against the breech face. The whole shell disintegrated. It sure did. That's a lot of pressure there, buddy. Here's a high point slide. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw, we did the high point meltdown. Uh, there was a uh, law enforcement buddy of mine that made a joke to me and said, hey, you know, if you lay a uh, high point on the dash of a car on a really hot day, it'll melt. What? No way. Well, of course it didn't melt, but the slides are a form of zinc mm -hmm. casting and we melted down a high point slide just to show people that you this can do it. This slide melted at the same temperature as lead. It did, it melted about 600 degrees. So mm -hmm. that's another crazy thing we've done with guns. Of course, you know the recent Mosin torture test we did. Um, those videos haven't been up very long, but I will include a link in there just so you guys can check it out if you haven't seen it yet. The, um, uh, <laughs> the, the bolt from the Mosin did not disintegrate. We took, a guy came in the other day after we showed him this and he wanted to buy the firing pin, he needed one, so we, Took the bolt. The bolt did not leave this gun. You watch the test. The gun did not explode, but the gun was totally wrecked. Oh yeah. The action was wrecked. <laughs> no doubt. Now, here's the magazine that we that we fried with Wolf 45 ACPs in it. Just, right. Just on a lark to see what would happen. Yep. Just to see. Um, <laughs> see what would happen if it detonated in the magazine. There it is. And you'll see a link to that video right. um, in the box there. This is a gun that my friend accidentally shot with a 45. This is a Ruger 357 Magnum, GP100. And he had it laying on the ground in a gun case and when he went to draw his 1911, it went off. And this is a, the bullet actually split on the trigger guard. It split. Yeah, no doubt. And That's a one in a million shot. This is how he found it in the case. Now, if it had been a half inch this way or a half inch that way, nothing would have harmed the gun. But it wrecked this gun. We sent it to Ruger, and I thought they could replace this 
modular system here, but when you take the grips off, the whole frame is bent. So if you get, ever get a gun shot out of your hand, it hits with some considerable force. Oh, yeah. It would rip it out of your hand. Enough to, no to bend that it. stainless steel, you better uh -huh. believe it. Oh, yeah. But anyway. Um, <laughs> we are not done yet when it comes to torturing guns. We have some more torture tests planned. Mm -hmm. uh, some of them are going to cost me a little bit of money, but they're going to be fun and we're going to learn. Remember, the whole point of us torturing these guns is not that we hate the guns. It's not that we want less guns in the world. It's not that. Mm -hmm. it, the point is to learn and to learn as much as you can before that gun fails. Well, it's like, a, it's like a race car, Eric. Somebody builds a race car, they want to know how many turns that engine can take before something goes wrong with it. That's right. Uh, every mechanical device is tested to its limit, and we test these to the limit and beyond. But here again, in closing, nothing that you could find in this store that would fit in this gun would pop it. That's right, and that says a lot. For, it says um, a whole lot. It either says a lot for metallurgy or the way that they, they're constructed, or I think it goes back to the conservative nature Right. that factory ammo is loaded too. I think yeah. that has a lot to do with it. So we will be performing more torture tests. We appreciate you watching this video. If you had questions about why we do it, there's why. In retrospect, uh, I wish we hadn't have blown this gun. We should have saw how many 454s it would shoot. Right. And yeah. I don't think it ever would have gave up. If not another with, one comes in, we'll, we'll get it. Right. So, uh, well, I, well, I want us to test an H&R if we ever get one, because it's much stronger than this gun. Well, an H&R, we're going to have to bore out, because remember that they're the way the chambers are cut on them, you can't drop a 454 in there oh. or a 44. Yes, a guy brought one in that I was going to buy, and every one of these rounds would fit in it. Did they? Yes. Really? It was now, the some Rossi. Of, some that of them it do won't that. fit in. The Rossi one. Right. The Rossi okay. wouldn't, but an H&R, a guy brought one in, and everything on this table would fit right in. Well, next time we have one come through, we'll, we're going to buy that we'll little sucker that. and we're going to revisit this subject again. Right. Well, I hope y'all enjoyed the video, and I hope we've answered all your questions or some of your questions. And, you know, we're not trying to bust anybody's chops here, but you have to understand that we're trying to learn something, and we're teaching people. And everybody likes the how-to videos, and everybody likes the gun gripes, and everybody mm -hmm. likes the gun facts. Yeah, we share it with the so, world. I mean, that's, that's just kind of what we do, and uh, we're glad that a lot of you guys appreciate what we do and that we, you watch the videos. We thank you for watching. and. You guys have a nice night and keep on watching. We'll keep making the videos. Y'all have a good evening now.